Have you noticed that during the most crazy year that any of us have ever seen in our lifetime, we're also seeing common courtesy and civility fade, especially in our online interactions? Today, Neil and I discuss why civility, kindness, and respect are so key to making progress and surviving all the challenges we face in this world. We talk about why it's vital that we pay attention to what we're saying in front of our kids and the tone we use to express our opinions, putting ourselves in the shoes of others before criticizing, and just offering more grace and kindness to others as we navigate our families through uncharted waters. Hi, guys. Welcome to today's podcast. Hi. I'm here with Neil, and we are going to talk about civility. And this is something that Neil and I have been just chatting about recently. It's hard not to see this as for me, at least like a glaring topic that just needs some attention because of all of the unrest going on in the division and a lot of strong feelings. Strong feelings can be good sometimes. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, but just a desperate need for people to be a little more civil and a little more kind in their interactions. And I'll start out by basically sharing the, where this idea came from. So a few days ago on a mom group that I belong to in Orange County on Facebook, there was an anonymous member post where a mom said, do you plan on sending your kids in the fall with masks? We're thinking of going public, like to public school, but not with masks. And she said, I've read that it's recommended, but not mandatory. And I'm wondering how many are going to actually send their kids with masks. Any idea? And there are currently 459 comments on this. And a lot of them are heated and a lot of them are very impolite, you know, people using swear words and just being pretty unkind and uncouth (laughs) to each other. And I just told Neil, I'm, of course, I'm concerned for our kids' health and safety. And, you know, we've talked about what are the best options for our kids. We're really not here to talk about that today, but we are here to talk about the way people were treating each other online with this comment thread and just a lot of real disrespect going on. And it just, it concerns me that these kids are hearing that at home and they're going to take that to school. And our kids are going to be right in the middle of a lot of people, you know, people's opinions, like strong opinions. And so we just wanted to talk about that today and about what kind of tone are you setting in your home? What are your kids observing? And so I want to read a quotation from Gordon B. Hinckley, which I just wish that he were still around and we could hear his thoughts of what's going on right now because he saw basically everything in his lifetime from he lived through the Great Depression and several wars and um, he always just he got it just right but he said about civility this is a great definition civility I submit is what gives savor to our lives it is the salt that speaks of good taste good manners good breeding. It becomes an expression of the golden rule. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. And that's from Matthew seven twelve. Civility covers a host of matters in how one human being relates to another with basic human kindness and goodness. Civility requires us to restrain and control ourselves and at the same time to act with respect toward others. And I'm like, if everybody could just get on board with that, we would have a lot less problems in this world. But 
the internet is an interesting place that kind of gives people a license sometimes to feel like they can act in a way that they would never act to someone's face. So do you have any thoughts, Neil, starting out with all this? Well, I think it's a lot different online. I think that there's obviously the anonymity part of it is it's easier to just be a little more or a lot more loose or kind of reckless. Totally. And expressive, whereas in person, a lot of times you just flat out wouldn't say that to somebody's face. So I think if you really looked at that rule, I think I really respect, I think, where you're coming from a lot of times with the way that you interact with people online, even when, you know, there's not favorable comments or something like that, you'll be really polite and respectful in responding. And so that's something that I think is really cool. Um, But yeah, it's something that is a major challenge and a major problem, especially as everything is moved online. Yeah, I just think that, like you said, there's an anonymity factor and people kind of feel like, I think sometimes people feel a false sense of empowerment when they can kind of get on a somewhat anonymous platform and speak their mind or get, you know, give their two cents. And while it's great to have opinions and we need those, they just need to be stated in kind ways that, that still have respect for others. Even if you don't, everything doesn't have to be soft and pretty and rainbows and unicorns. But, you know, I think some of these platforms are taking on a tone of disrespect more often than not. And that makes me sad because I feel like we're better than that. We should be better than that as a society. And Neil and I were talking about, you know, the need for many voices. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I like that concept. There's actually a really a good talk from uh, one of the, the leaders, Jeffrey R. Holland, in, uh, in our church. And he talks about this concept of everyone, like the world as a kind of like a choir, everyone's voice plays a different part within this choir, which creates, you know, a beautiful melody and that every part of that choir or every voice is needed in order to get a rich tone and a beautiful melody. And then, so he talks a little bit about kind of the, the, the balance in that voice and in our own uh, part within that choir. He says, when we disparage our uniqueness, or try to conform to fictitious stereotypes, stereotypes driven by an insatiable consumer culture idealized beyond any possible realization by social media, we lose the richness of tone and timber that God intended when he created a world of diversity. Now, this is not to say that everyone in this divine chorus can simply start shouting his or her own personal oratorio. Diversity is not cacophony and choirs do require discipline. But once we have accepted divinely revealed lyrics and harmonious orchestration composed before the world was, then our Heavenly Father delights to have us sing in our own voice, not someone else's. So I like the quote because it's just this idea that it's important to have diversity, to have several different voices but it has to be done in a way that's harmonious or that is not in an offensive or overpowering one another way. It's 
it's funny, I'm thinking of my time in choir in high school and there was a girl who kind of wanted to be heard and wanted to they sometimes seem like way louder than everybody yeah, else. Yeah, or like hold out notes longer than everyone else. And, you know, the choir director kind of had to correct her on that because it just doesn't sound as good. The point of a choir is like you're saying in this quotation to have harmonious voices come together. But if everyone was singing the exact same line, if you've ever sung in a choir, if everyone was singing the soprano line or the tenor line, it just wouldn't have the same effect. But at the same time, they all have to be balanced. And so kind of what we're talking about with social media or with people being really loud and outspoken or being more more so being like disrespectful or wanting to shout louder than the other people around them so that they can be heard with swear words or with, you know, put downs or whatever to seem like their voice is more powerful. It almost has the opposite effect. It, it suddenly you lose, I feel like sometimes the respect and the listening ear of others, you know, and I, I'm specifically thinking of a friend who right now I can't even follow on social media because his stuff is so loud and so in your face and so like designed to kind of like stir the pot. And it doesn't change my mind on things. It just ends up creating a lot of discord, you know, and But going back to what you shared, I think it is important to have different voices, different ideas. You know, we don't all have to think the same or believe the same. We just have to have respect for others. But it is such a hard time right now that we're living in. Like, there are so many things that I don't have the answers to. Like, we want the economy to go back to normal, but we also don't want people to die. You know, we want to really be thoughtful toward people who could die from COVID, but we also want to think about, you know, the isolation of people who like there's all these, you know, abuse numbers going up and people who are suffering and struggling because they're isolated in their homes. And it's like, there's no great answers to a lot of these problems. And it makes me sad when I see really, really harsh criticism toward the leaders who have who carry such a burden of responsibility right now. And Neil and I have talked a lot about this too. For example, we live in Southern California, so we're a lot of the things that we are living by are dictated by Gavin Newsom, who is the governor of California. But we, I hear a lot about what's going on in Utah because that's where I'm from originally. So a lot of my friends and pretty much all of my family except my parents are currently living in Utah. So I keep an eye on what's going on in Utah a lot too. And uh, Governor Herbert is there. And, and so these two men are doing polar opposites, right? Like Newsom is mostly shutting things, like keeping things closed down as much as possible. I mean, they... Certainly we've opened up some, but like he shut the beaches down for the 4th of July. He has shut down bars. Some of the restaurants have closed down. In Utah, things are opposite. They're opening back up. But for both of these men, they are experiencing so much hate, so much criticism. I follow Gavin Newsom on Instagram just not because of a political affiliation, but because he's making the decisions that affect my life. So I want to see those real-time updates. And every time I see a post from him, I see like clown emojis and super just really disrespectful things being left on in the comments. And I'm just thinking, who raised these people? 
Like, who thinks it's okay? I I mean, I hope you wouldn't say this to someone's face or be that disrespectful to a government leader, but you've got to put yourself in these men's shoes. And, and on the flip side, I saw a post from my friend, Carmen Herbert. She was like my best friend in junior high and high school. And so we're Facebook friends. And I saw the other day that she posted on Facebook The hate toward my family has got to stop because she's just receiving so much hate from people who are upset with her father-in-law, who's the governor of Utah, making decisions that other people don't like. And yes, these men chose these roles. They put themselves in these roles, but the way that people are choosing to react, it's not that I think that everyone needs to love or agree with their choices, but use your voice, but do it respectfully. It's just alarming to me a little bit to see just how entitled and disrespectful so many people are being toward these leaders who have so much responsibility and there's no possible way to make everyone happy, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's the challenge of leadership is it's kind of, there's not, if there was a, a just a hard and fast solution, then it would be easy. We wouldn't have these big debates, but right. it's like, a lot of these situations, there isn't an easy answer. There's not a clear cut like, okay, we're just going to do this and everyone's going to be happy and it's going to work out perfectly. It's kind of like, a, okay, do you want to get punched in the face or punched in the stomach? Or <laughs> do you want to, you know, it's it's kind of which which challenge are you wanting to live with? And then it's going to affect different people in, a, in different ways. So that's a really tough position to be in. But I think, yeah, being aggressive about it and, and contentious about it right, really isn't going to be the answer. The contention is what I am sad about with the Facebook posts and the masks or the way people are attacking these government leaders. It's like, put yourself in their shoes. How would you feel if someone attacked you in that way? Even if you've got to remember that if you were the leader, no matter what, you're going to disappoint and upset at least 50% of the population, right? Because you're either opening things up and saving the economy, but putting more lives at risk, or you're doing the opposite and you're keeping things closed and you're upsetting people because the economy's, it's killing the economy, but, you know, keeping some people alive and upsetting. Anyway, so it's very much a lose-lose situation in a lot of in a lot of these circumstances. And so if you were in that position, you've just got to think about how how would you want to be treated? And hopefully you can take a step back and think about, you know, how would you like for people to voice their concerns to you? Because I just, I'm, it's concerning to me, the hatred. I think that's really one of my biggest concerns. And You know, when I went to Rwanda, I've talked to Neil about this a lot, that it was so staggering to me to walk through. We went to the genocide memorial, and then at the end, they have you walk through basically like a timeline where you see all of the different holocausts and genocides that have happened, That at least that we have historical record of that we know of. And each time they say never again, never again, and then history repeats itself over and over. And the common thread every single time is hatred and division, where one group of people starts feeling like, I hate this other group of people because they're different. And then it's just the wedge gets driven harder and harder until people are killing each other. And hopefully we won't get to that. But I think that we seriously need to do 
a, a hard look at how we're talking about others, how we're, what our tone is inside of our home. I want to share a quotation by Joseph B. Worthlin, who was just, when I think about him, he just was so kind. And so he always had a way of, you know, speaking about kindness. And he says, the things you say, the tone of your voice, the anger or calm of your words, these things are noticed by your children and by others. They see and learn both the kind and unkind things we say and do. Nothing exposes our true selves more than how we treat one another in the home. I often wonder why some feel they must be critical of others. It gets in their blood, I suppose, and it becomes so natural they often don't even think about it. They seem to criticize everyone, the way Sister Jones leads the music, the way Brother Smith teaches a lesson or plants his garden. Even when we think we are doing no harm by our critical remarks, consequences often follow. And then he tells the story about uh, a little boy who handed a donation envelope to his bishop and told the bishop, this is for you. And and the bishop was like, no, he he thought this would be a teaching moment and ex- wanted to explain to the boy, no, this, you know, this money is to help the poor or whatever. And the boy looks at him and says, oh, well, my, my father says you're one of the poorest bishops we've ever had, <laughs> which is, you know, I'm sure that dad would be so horrified to know that the kid repeated that. But the point is your kids are listening to you. And again, going back to the original topic, I'm concerned about our kids going to school in this current political climate and just, you know, being caught up in all the middle of some of these things that their friends' parents are talking about at home. And by the way, another thing too is I feel like you and I have talked about not everything is political. You know, I feel like right now everyone wants to turn every decision or every little thing into a political thing, and it's actually not. Wearing a mask is not a political move. To me, it's a sign of respect for others. It's not a party affiliation thing. But also wanting our kids to go back to school in the fall is not a political thing. That's like I'm looking at my children thinking, I think the best thing for them is to be around other kids and go to school in a normal setting. Neither of those things are political. Also, I've had several people DM me saying like, oh, are you sure you want to be associated with Black Lives Matter? I saw you did a podcast or some stories on Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, this is not about political party affiliation. This is about human respect for others and that there were lives lost and that people are finally paying attention to the fact that they're still a huge amount of racism going on in our country and we need to be better. And I wanted to be associated with how can we be better? So yeah. What are your thoughts, Neil, about? No, I agree. That's the tough thing is I think that it just due to the fact that a lot of the way, the way that this is shaken out, it's suddenly politicized everything. And it's almost like you feeling this pressure to pick a side. I'm like, look, man, I'm, you know, I think with the mask thing, it's funny. I, I I walked in to get our car serviced into the dealership and I forgot my mask. And this was before, I think they were kind of in an interim period where it was kind of like, you, you didn't, you didn't have to, there wasn't a sign at the door that said, Hey, put your mask on. It was just kind of like a, you know, more of a like suggested type of deal. But I walked in without a mask and the guy immediately asked me, he's like, Oh, Hey, what's up? So are you, you know, were you down at the 
you know, the protests here in Southern California? Like, were you, were you at the, you know, beach protesting earlier or are you down at the rally? And I was like, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, why did he ask you that? Then I'm like, oh, I didn't have a mask on. Oh my gosh. And so I'm like, that's By the how way, it's Neil gotten. Is usually really good about wearing a mask every single place that we go. Yeah. And it's, it's, for me, it's just, I want to be, a, my personal feeling is just trying to be a team player. Like, look, you know, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not trying to, put a statement out there or hate on people that don't wear masks or, you know, whatever. It's just kind of, Hey, look, you know, we're, we're all here trying to work this thing out. Let me just try and be a team player and, and, you know, be in this together. Totally. But even to your point, I think the automatic assumption of, Oh, you're doing this. Therefore you're this kind of person, the labeling and the being divisive. Is that the right word? Just looking for division everywhere. I think we've got to pull back on that and look for more common good. And and even if you do have something to say about it or you feel strongly about it, find a way to say it with kindness, you know? Um, well, back to what we were talking about a minute ago. Do you remember that time that a guy that we went to church with in our last neighborhood and he talked about be careful what you say on your drive home with your kids in the car? Yeah. Do you remember uh, that? Yeah, I kind of, I do remember that. Do you want to share? Oh, well, I don't remember. I You remember it way better than okay. I do. We were talking about it earlier. I don't, I think you have a better memory of it. But. Okay. Well, he basically said, you know, be careful uh, what you're saying that might be critical toward others on your drive home from church. He said, if you are, you know, picking apart someone's testimony that they shared or, a talk that someone gave and, you know, chatting with your spouse about critically about someone else and what they said in church, you might think your kids aren't listening, but they're listening. And I think it's really true that our kids are listening to the way we criticize others, the way we criticize leadership, the way we criticize, or or even the way that we're expressing our opinions about things. They're picking up on that tone and they're going to take it to school or take it around their friends or or even, you know, heaven forbid, when they are online thinking they're anonymous, you know, and speaking their minds there too. I'm That's like a terrifying thought to me, giving our kids access to that social media. But that day will come. I mean, our kids are little right now, but whatever tone you're using in your home, your kids are picking up on it and the way that you're speaking about others. And Neil, you're a really good example to me of not being critical of others. Where did that come from? First off, I don't think I'm that great of an yes, example. Yes, you are. But uh, that's <laughs> nice of you to say that. Um, I think the the first place that I really remember trying to do something about being better at it um, was reading the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. So it's one of the principles of the book is never criticize, condemn, or complain, which is extremely hard. Another one is never speak ill of others or gossip. I mean, these are principles that are really, really tough to like try having a conversation and do those two principles at the same time in a conversation is really, really tough. But I think it just, yeah, it's, it's, take an effort at something that I've tried to be better at. And I don't know, I guess the the one thing that has changed it the most for me is looking at myself first. And then whenever I do this, whenever I look at myself and say, okay, when have I done this? Or when have I acted in this way? And it immediately switches it to where it's like, man, I, I really don't have a license to be critical of anybody. 
because most of the time I've done something similar or it's like, you know, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. You know, it's Christ, example of Christ in the in the Bible. And then all of the, you know, every, everybody walked away after that because they had all sinned. So it's taking that approach. It's not something that, you know, I would say I've even close to figured out, but no, it's, a, it's a striving. It's you're really to. good at that. I, I think it's funny that Mark Twain said, nothing needs improving more than other people's faults. Because it's so easy to see where you think other people are are wrong. And like you said, you know, you can almost always stop and look at yourself and say, well, wait a minute, have I done any of this? Or, or back to the golden rule, you know, what would I like to have said about me? Maybe, you know, this postpartum depression too thing is, thing too, <laughs> is teaching me a lot about how I've judged others or been, you know, maybe less tolerant of others because I haven't been in their shoes yet. Just the other day, I apologized to Neil for, I basically said, I'm sorry that I probably wasn't nearly as patient with you last year as I should have been while you were grieving because I just didn't understand depression in the way that I'm understanding it now and coming to know what that's like for people because I just had never experienced. I for sure had postpartum depression with Annabelle, but it felt completely different than it does this time. Like that was more like crying every day, being super emotional. Just everything was upsetting to me. I would cry for no reason. But this time around, the like feeling like I have no energy and sitting in bed and just feeling like a lot of hopelessness, that's something that I've never experienced to this level. And now you know, my therapist said to me the other day, she's like, you'll never be the same after this. You know, f you'll be better because you understand others better. But it's just taught me that, like, so we saw some people at the beach um, a few weeks ago. Brooke came in, my sister Brooke came into town and we took the kids down and spent the afternoon at the beach and it was beautiful. It was so nice to be out. But by the end of the day, I was shot. I had no energy left and we packed up our things. And there were a couple of people we saw down at the beach who I knew. And I just did not have, I, I'm just in this like survival mode, right? Where not only do we have a newborn that I'm feeding every few hours a day, but I also, the postpartum depression has been so hard for me. And when I saw people, I was like, I just don't have the energy right now to have conversations with people. Well, it was just the end of a very exhausting day. And I told my therapist in so many situations where I've seen people who kind of pretend they don't see me in places, I'm always like, what is your problem? Just say hi. Like, it's not that hard. And after that day, I was like, man, I will never judge someone again for just maybe not having the energy to have a conversation with me if they see me somewhere. And because that's truly where I was at, I, I felt embarrassed about it, but I just wasn't emotionally available to go up and like catch up with people and have them ask me how I'm doing and talk through, you know, whatever. So really to wrap up this topic of not speaking ill of others, Neil has been such a good example to me of this. And I feel like when we first got married, it was something that surprised me, like, Sometimes I would start telling him how I feel about someone and he would almost always look for a reason to kind of turn it around or give that person the benefit of the doubt or help me to see another side of things. And it's just really rare to hear him speak ill of others. He just is always looking for 
the good in others. And it's taught me in being around him to be more like that. And I think that sometimes you don't realize the impact you're having on others when you're intentionally turning your thoughts into a more positive way of thinking of others or being less critical, that it has a trickle effect on all the other people around you too. And that's something that I've totally gained from Neil and and from his influence in my life. So that's nice of you to say. Thank you. You're welcome. I think too with I want to go back to the division and, you know, you're this type of person or you're that type of person and labeling and how we're treating each other and look at Christ as an example of, you know, the way he treated or the the parable of the Good Samaritan and the way he taught us to treat someone who is in different party lines or, you know, whatever in a different category than you identify yourself in or categorize yourself in. Like this man is laying on the ground, several people who should be on his team, in his party, in whatever, on his side, just pass him. Like, leave this man for dead, laying on the ground. And someone who should be his enemy, the Samaritan, you know, comes up to this guy and stops, picks him up and carries him to a caretaker's place. And not only, you know, saves his life, but also says, here's some money, take care of this guy. If you need more money to take care of him, I'll be back. And truly shows love for another person who he doesn't necessarily need to have affiliation with. And I think there's so much to be learned there, right? Like we don't all have to agree. We don't all have to be the same. We don't all, going back to what you said, we need different voices in the choir but we need to find kindness and civility in the way we're treating each other while we're while we have differences. Yeah. No, I would I totally would agree with that. I think one of the things that I've really thought a lot about and it's it's something that's one of my friends or I heard in a meeting basically was we're all more alike than we are different. And I think that there's such a push for how we differentiate like how I'm different, I'm different because of this, because of my, you know, whatever, um, you know, race or orientation or uh, professional pursuit or, you know, whatever it is, there's always this, how am I different and celebrating that, which is, which is seriously highly important. And we just talked about the, you know, the concept of the choir and how that all comes together and makes a beautiful sound because of the differences. But I think it, it can be taken to the extreme on the other end of it where, where it's like, let me look for those differences and, and forget that there are people that feel the same. You know, we all have feelings. We all have, you know, doubts and fears that we all struggle. We're all, you know, trying to go through a life experience together and, and that's what unites us together. And so, um, I like that concept of building on a common belief or establishing common ground to where suddenly I can relate to anybody um, that's having a human experience. And when I see it from that perspective, it allows me to to kind of have more compassion for other people. Um, but at the same time, celebrating, okay, yeah, I am different and this is what I can bring to the table strengths or experience wise. But at the same time, hey, I'm, I'm just like you. I'm just another person trying to make it in this world and find happiness for myself and, and positively impact other people. Yeah. And I love the idea too, of, of being humble enough to listen to others. You know, you, you might not 
agree with them, but I think it's really a mark of a mature person when they can listen to others and pick up what they find value in and then leave whatever they don't, kind of the buffet approach. But um, my sister-in-law, my cute sister-in-law, Jaden, who uh, just married my brother this year, she posted, it's like a life lessons advice, life lessons advice from an 80 year old man. She posted this on her stories today and there's like 50 things on here. But one of the things I liked, number 26 was be modest. A lot was accomplished before you were born. And, you know, it's interesting if you think about your older, wiser friends in life. I always think of this one man that we went to church with who was just so humble. And it's funny that the older people get often, the more they're willing to acknowledge just how much they don't know. And I feel like, you know, it really is a sign of maturity when you can respect and listen to the opinions of others and gain from them what you maybe don't understand yourself. And that's something that I hope to continue to be better at because there's so much out there that I don't know and that I haven't been through and that I don't understand perfectly. And I think we're getting better at listening to voices. And I think that's one great thing that has come from this Black Lives Matter movement is a lot of people's experiences are being shared that other people just didn't understand or weren't exposed to. And I think that's a great thing. And so, you know, looking for ways to, as Hamilton, as I said in Hamilton, talk less and smile more, you know, just listen. Like there's a reason that you have two ears and one mouth, right? But, you know, I think too, it's important to have a voice for good and to use it for good. I'm such an advocate for that, but just use it in a way where you're doing it with respect and with kindness. There's one last quotation that I want to share from that same talk, The Virtue of Kindness, from Joseph B. Worthland. And he says, Kindness is the essence of greatness and the fundamental characteristic of the noblest men and women I have known. Kindness is a passport that opens doors and fashions friends. It softens hearts and molds relationships that can last lifetimes. And that's really what you're talking about with the how to win friends and influence people is that if you want to have a lot of friends and have a lot of great influence, you know, find ways to be kind, be respectful, to not speak ill of others. And, and yes, have a voice, have opinions, but do them, you know, share them in respectful ways with civility. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any parting thoughts for us? (laughs) And your final thoughts? Um, No, just in general, I I think that it's, trying to establish the common ground. I, th- I think that's such a key thing is, is looking at, okay, w- what can I relate to? And, and when you look at it, you know, there, there will always be something that I can relate to somebody with. Um, even if it's just the fact of like, Hey, I'm standing in the same room as you right now. And we're experiencing, we're having the same experience and building off of that and then learning and celebrating about the differences. That's something that I think for me has been a very huge, uh, very rewarding experience in communicating with people that are way different than I am. I love that. Well, thanks you guys for hanging out with us. Yeah, think more about, you know, 
who you're influencing and who's listening to you because probably you're having more of an impact on those around you than you even realize for better or worse. So hopefully we can all come together and be more civil toward one another. So thanks and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.